All right, we're live. Cool. Cool. So it is December 11th, um, 2018. Elijah Bratton here. Steve Diorio here. Welcome to, um, what do we call ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> I just, <laughs> well, we're going to redo this one. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll cut this out. Uh, hi, it's December 11th. 2018. This is Steve Diorio. This is Elijah Bratton. Welcome to our podcast. Um, so Elijah, uh, uh, there's a lot going on today. There's a lot to talk about, but I wanted to start quickly with uh, uh, Christmas music. Yeah. Uh, Baby, it's cold outside, right? Which that's, is that's always been an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I saw this meme on Facebook yeah. um, the other day, and somebody said they put up a, whatever the date. I think it was 2010. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is a bestseller. Yep. You saw yep. this one? Yep. And uh, 2018, we're banning Baby It's Cold Outside. Um, and I saw all kinds of people putting likes to this thing. And and I I felt like this, this is the core of what separates uh, my conservative friends from myself. The complete, the false equation here, right? Yeah. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey, I didn't read the books. Um, and I only watched the first movie, uh, Guilty. Uh, <laughs> in Fifty Shades of Grey, for the most part, that was con- everything that happened in it was consensual. However, the song... <laughs> gives off a different vibe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the you know, defenders of the song say that, put in the context of its own time, that it is, it's appropriate to the late 1940s when it was written, and that's right. probably true. The, the challenge to that is, though, it's 2018. Right. We've had a year of the Me Too movement. Um, we've had, we've learned a lot about uh, sexual aggression. We've learned a lot about the sexual politics uh, that some people have to go through in the workplace. Um, so what, what do you think? Is the song appropriate or is it not? I I think in the in the I think in the context of when it was written and produced, um, I, I well I will say I think that there should be a binary between people who remake the song, especially today, mm. versus when it was produced. And you can tell the quality difference Absolutely. in the vocals when it was when it's produced. So from a historical perspective, you know it. I don't have as much of an issue with it, but today, mm. um, you know, if 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 the Me Too movement is is going to wrap this around everything and include it, then I think that it's definitely up for a discussion. Um, and I definitely think, though, that it, op- it this could potentially open up a can of worms, like with um, so John Lennon, who did. Uh, Christmas is over. Talking about the war. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And parallel that with today, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'd be interested to know what the the mentality is of of going into war now. But, um, but back to that. Um, back to the song. I, I don't think it'll be long before it's completely taken off the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I kind of feel like there's um, there's a, we have a Shakespearean moment here. Mm-hmm. Right? where it's a Romeo and Juliet moment. Um, the love affair is driven by the fact that it's forbidden. Yeah. Right? I think that, that this song is becoming popular with those it's popular with just because 
yeah. they say that the politi- politically correct police are are pulling it off the airways. I th- I think at some level this is a it's an it's a non-event. Yeah, it's an I unargument, agree. right? Tell me about Rudolph. Uh, so there's been this movement, and I actually think that this is more ludicrous <laughs> than than baby it's cold outside. Um, there have been a lot of protests against airing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because critics will say, are saying that um, people or, or other animals, other characters in Rudolph were only willing to accept Rudolph once they realized that his differences could benefit everybody. Mm. I don't have a problem with <laughs> or, or stated another way. People will treat you like shit till they need you. Uh, yeah. That's a truth. Uh, that's an unfortunate truth. <laughs> <laughs> Got to learn it somewhere. Might, uh, might as well be a Christmas song. <laughs> you, well, th- that and look, I'd rather I'd rather kids grow up being a realist <laughs> okay. than a complete idealist. Well, it begs the question, too. Um, at, what, at what level do the lyrics of this song affect the psyche uh, of a person at any age? Is listening to Rudolph? Well, well I don't know if I think it, it had to do more with um, with airing it on TV uh, and probably less about the song. Oh man, you can't take that away. No, it's no. a classic. That's my classic, man. Exactly. I love that. Um, but to me, <laughs> I just year. think that that I, I think that um, with the song and and the show, I I think that this is the only re- the only reason why I, I think I actually think that. Um, Baby, it's cool. I think both of them will come out of this okay, be, but um, only because it's a it's a once a year, it's a you know one month right. issue. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so I think you know, baby, it's cold outside. Will come back on. Rudolph will come back on next yeah. year. Um, I think. I think this is all very reactionary stuff that's mm-hmm. coming out. Yeah. Um, I I do, th- but I will say though, with baby, it's cold outside. I. That there have been a lot more rumblings about that historically. This isn't anything that that's right. just hitting like like Rudolph is. Yeah. Um, this has been something that a lot of people for a while, well before the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. had you know started to right. to express concern. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think people have a legitimate argument against it. Um, mm. Aaron, this comes down to the whole. Um, the whole relationship that people have with media, mm-hmm. and and it comes down to this: if uh, I, I I listen a lot to uh, music that I've downloaded, mm-hmm. I've downloaded a fair amount of Christmas music. Yep. Guess what's not on my iPhone? Baby, it's cold outside. I, I pre- in the context of right now, uh, as the father of two daughters, I don't want to hear it. Yep. I understand better than a lot of people the historical context of it, but I don't want to hear it right yep. now. Uh, I don't want to be reminded. There's a show that uh, I used to watch. It's a stupid sitcom. It was kind of a, a guilty pleasure um, called Rules of Engagement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen this I, I've heard of it. Yeah. Uh, it, it. I used to think it was funny. But it had David Spade, who, who I love, and yeah. uh, Patrick Warburton, who played Kronk in yeah. Ever's New Groove. Love his voice, right? Melted butter. Love the man's voice. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what he's saying. I'll listen to him. Okay. But uh, the character uh, that uh, David Spade plays is this, uh, like, 40-something bachelor who's a real dog. He's, he's a pig. Okay. Yeah. He's a complete pig. Yeah. And um, 
<clears throat> it used to be funny, and then in the last year, I had to stop watching the show because his his uh, what his tricks to woo women became more and more difficult to pass off as funny fiction. Yep. Because it, it paralleled too closely to reality. It, it is it is reality, and I'll say it. So I was in New York City two weekends ago, and I I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I, you know I grew up in Maine, so you travel by car everywhere yep. for seemingly miles and miles. <laughs> but um, I, I was just stunned just walking two blocks, even the amount of catcalling. That is, it's done on the streets. It's astounding <laughs> to me, and some of the things I just, I just can't believe that men just have the balls to just say it. It's just so. I can't. I won't even say it, but but it's just ridiculous things, and wow. and it's attempt after attempt after attempt, and um, and and for these women in probably a lot of cities, I can't even imagine going through that day after day after day. Yeah, no, it's got to be it's got to be an awful, an awful existence. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd think we were, well, it's New York. It's a, it's a, it's a throwback. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I am a Yankees fan, so. Um, we're not all perfect. But anyway. Sure. Um, speaking of all not perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah, today was a pretty interesting day. It, it um, was. In the Oval Office. Yeah, we had we had our beloved president meeting with uh, Nancy Pelosi yeah. and Chuck Schumer, the minority, currently minority leaders of the House and the Senate. Uh, Nancy, soon to be majority leader, maybe. Well, we'll yeah, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> no, that, that might be a topic for another <clears throat> day. But yeah, this meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, the topic of funding uh, Trump's border wall yep. uh, pressed against the upcoming uh, budget deadline. Yeah. When's the deadline? Do you know? It's, uh, it's te- 11 days away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're, we're coming right up. It's the 20th or 21st. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's only a few days away. And uh, the, the Trumpster, I uh, watched it today. The whole thing is 16 minutes long. Yeah. Uh, anyone listening, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can find it out there in the in the interwebs. Uh, you got to watch it. 16 minutes. The first six and a half minutes of it is Trump just riffing yeah. off script, just yeah. blah, 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 about his wall and border security. Um, and then Nancy Pelosi finally, he lets her speak right around six and a half minutes in. And that at that point, the whole thing devolves yeah. into, begins with a procedural argument between Pelosi and Trump, yeah. where he did not understand what a word that she was saying because he doesn't understand legislative procedure. Right. She... I can, I, I, you know, my sympathies for her. For her, she, I don't think she came here prepared to argue in front of a, a cluster of cameras. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, nobody expected that to happen. And they both, they all, uh, both, both Schumer and Pelosi, several times said we should be having this argument yeah. off camera. But uh, she, I don't think that she explained herself. Uh, I understand the procedure pretty well, and I didn't understand what she was saying very well. Uh, so she made an ineffective argument to Donald Trump, tr- just basically saying that they don't have the votes. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't have they, that, that he does not possess the votes either in the House or the Senate. Um, he came back and said, "I can have the votes any minute." Finally, Schumer got impatient <laughs> and said, "Okay, then go ahead and do it." Right. Um, devolved from there into it, uh, just a, a clusterfuck. Yeah. Um- <laughs> You know, a few things on that. Number one, uh, should also be noted that uh, Mike Pence 
vice president was, was the, the best <laughs> imitation of an I couldn't tell what was more animated the chair he was sitting in had <laughs> nothing from that man I would not want to play poker with that no. guy no oh gosh no nothing well except he's a well he's, he's a true Christian so he can't <laughs> lie to you that's true he can't lie and he can't play poker because mm-hmm. it's gambling yeah. uh, anyway, <laughs> my god not a blink so I mean that that I can't really expect anything less from, from him on that. But I, I thought it was just the entire dynamic was so fascinating because you could see how Democrats and Republicans campaigned on this. So it was very much a, a narrative spinning contest mm-hmm. of, well, Democrats, they, they, don't, want, they don't stand for, nas- for, for, for national security or border security Correct. at all. And the Democrats are saying, well, no, we, we do. We just, there's no need for a wall. And, and to be, personally, to be honest, I, I thought that the wall was completely off the table. I thought that was just I done and over. Was done, yeah. uh, but apparently not. So a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of spinning. Um, and, you know, I would just, I'd like to know if, this is the because if if you get a chance to watch it, you really should because the the rhetoric used we know we know Trump has a lower um, uh, vocabulary or sent, sentence structure than mm-hmm. other his presidents historically, um, but today was 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 that way on all three levels between Trump, <laughs> Pelosi, yeah. and and Schumer. It was it was just very elementary. Um, English, um, just poor sentence structure all, all around, yeah. and I can't help but wonder: Is this are these the conversations that have happened historically? One, but two, if not, I hope that this is not a new precedent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm also very concerned that these are the immature discussions that are being had right. behind closed doors. Right. Is this the actual level of discourse between these people? Because, oh my gosh, we, we should be in <laughs> We should right be, now. not for nothing. We should be president uh, yeah. and vice president, for God's sake. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I thought I thought that uh, the ineloquence, uh, as mm-hmm. I said, Nancy's, Nancy Pelosi's ineloquence in this particular moment, I'll give her, I'll give her a couple of points for being caught off guard, but, and, and Chuck, um, they're politicians, though. They should be able to. Yeah, be, being off the cuff. Yeah. Uh, what if Obama was there? Uh, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we before we started recording, I asked you a question. I'm going to repeat it. Um, who do you think won? Uh, Trump. Yeah. Handily. Yeah. Why? I agree. Why do you? Because think? he. I think that. Not while I don't agree. Okay, with with his approach, I don't agree that the wall is the answer. He's he stayed on topic. Yeah. He repeated it. He stayed with it. He he got the he won the soundbite. I even think that at one point, one of the most uh, telling things that happened today was um, <coughs> Schumer called him on shutting down, yep. threatening to shut down the government, having shut the government down in the past, and blaming the Democrats for it. And Schumer, to his credit, called him on that. And Trump uh, reactively said, "Okay, I own yep. it. I'll take it. Yes, I am responsible. I will shut down the government." And yeah. That's where he, that's where he started to take control yeah. of this little argument. From that point on, he won, 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 won. Because at that point, <clears throat> Trump has 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 essentially said, you know what, the past is the past. I'm here to to move on for now. And yeah. seemingly, all Chuck Schumer had in his bag of tricks was just 
what happened previously, what's right. occurred previously. Well, he said that, he did that, he yeah. did this, but nothing to move the needle moving forward yeah. to today. And which is why I actually think he's the biggest loser out of everybody. Mm. But I actually, I'll go one step further in saying that based on what, what I saw today, Pelosi and Schumer have no right touching leadership. Wow. Um, wow. Strong. I think that this, the American public will probably forget about this by 2020. But if this is a if this is a sign of how things are going to be and things things to come, mm. um, I'm not impressed with that that type of leadership and right. and um, the ineloquence as you mentioned. Um, and I think that this is not what the American voters were voting for mm-hmm. when they came out and and they allowed for the Democrats to take control of the House. You know, the Senate was a, a loss, but if you look at who was up, it, it probably made right. sense that that was going to happen anyways right. um, from a geographical perspective. But yeah, um, if 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 um, Democratic members of Congress don't think about it, I, I really think that they're going to shoot themselves in the foot come yeah. 2020 elections. I agree with you. Now, we've got some, um, <clears throat> got some new folks on the Hill, uh, the freshman class, and I read something today, I think it was in Axios, that said uh, the 66 new freshmen in that uh, a recent poll of them, 46 of them said that they wanted to reach across the aisle and work in a bipartisan way. The other 20-odd are, you know, your, your uh, Casio and some of the other uh, more radical guy, uh, folk members. Yeah. Um, I, that scares me. We got this reach across the aisle thing. It was the undoing of Barack Obama in his first, in 2008, 2009, it was, it was the, yeah. the beginning of, of, of the end for, for poor Barack. Yeah. He still managed to do some amazing things even against that tide, but that there's no across the aisle. Um, I think just, just playing fantasy football here for a second, put uh, a guy like, uh, not that I'm a big fan of Abenadi, but let's put him yeah. in that Oval Office meeting today. Someone smart, articulate, but also a puncher. Right, somebody who might have stayed on his talking points and counterpunched uh, Trump on those. You know, Trump's simplicity is his strength. Right, he yeah. he doesn't know a lot, so he doesn't yeah. say he says the same damn thing over and over again, and it works for his constituency. I think we need to we need someone on our side who does the same thing. Yeah, whether it's Avenatti or someone else, right, right, um, don't know that but, it's going to be like Avenatti. Well, it's hard because <laughs> I don't. I well, I agree with you. I don't want that to be how our government works because then you're setting a bad precedent so sure. it's like do you do you try to hold out for the Mueller investigation and all those mm. findings and then hope that you can get you know um, you know we can certainly talk about who we think would be a good choice for for president at a later point in time yeah no that'd be a great topic for a later podcast who who on the democratic side right, right. Who, who we might get and uh and, and Mueller boy man that, that, that shoe is going to drop, and that's going to be really interesting. But you know what I think is getting a little bit overlooked uh, in, the, in the media? They're, they're so focused on Mueller, which, again, is the Trump effect. Right. Because he talks about it, tweets about it. That's where everyone's eyes are cast. Right. Uh, it's like the Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's Sauron. Wherever his eye looks, everyone else looks, too. But um, it's the Southern District of New York, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. knife in his back is not Mueller. It's, it's SDNY. Oh, and um, <clears throat> the the Cohen testimony. The, what Cohen said to, to Mueller is is just a confirmation of what Mueller already knows. Yeah. Uh, but what's going on in New York 
it could be the real demise of the Trump presidency. There are a lot of things that can happen to really pull him down. Mm. And it's just so fascinating that that his supporters just... Um, not only does it not matter, but... The, it, I mean, Trump brilliantly um, casted this off as though this is a witch hunt from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody was willing to believe him. And what I just don't understand is that we're, we're so, we were so concerned over national security with Hillary Clinton and her server. Mm-hmm. But we're not even we're not even batting an eye at at the, at the idea that a country meddled with our elections right. and could have potentially conspired with our current president right, right. i'm just I, I i don't i don't need the accusations i just all i'm asking <laughs> right is that that people just right. at least have the the thought going that's all i'm right. asking for so let's let's paint a scenario for a second where uh, the Russians, we know this to be true. The Russians have attempted to influence American elections. Mm-hmm. Let's the let's t- let's divide collusion away from that fact. Donald Trump had nothing to do with Russian right. with Russian hacking. The fact is, they hacked. They hacked in 2016. They hacked just a few weeks ago. Yeah. In 2018, they hacked. Um, and the fact that that's of no particular concern. To, the, to many members of the American public, that concerns me. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, we're, we, we await with bated breath what, what Bob Mueller, if he can connect Donald Trump's campaign or Donald Trump himself to that collusion, that's, now that's a whole different dog. We've talked about this many times. The thing, that, the thing that scares me the most about Donald Trump is not Donald Trump. It's that a third of the American people have drunk the Kool-Aid yeah. and are members of the cult of Trump. They, it's not enough that they believe his lies about walls. He, he spouted a whole lot of um, statistics today about the wall, where the wall was built, 93% drop. It, yeah. He never says where these statistics come from. He never cites any, any source ever. He just spouts them, and we're expected to, to just swallow them whole. Well, th- all of that. So he makes up facts, and, and his constituency chooses to believe those facts. The most scary thing about Trump is that he he has fictionalized himself. Yeah. And yeah. they believe his fiction. Yeah. I was on the phone with a friend a few days ago who uh, leans very heavily right, and he said, unrelated to, to politics, he said, I don't want to get political, but I want to say, um, you got to say this about Donald Trump, he doesn't care what anyone thinks of him. And I kind of came back and said, are you kidding? Every time somebody tweets something negative, he screams fake news. Every time somebody prints something about him that isn't complimentary, he calls them the enemy of the people. He's one of the most thin-skinned public figures I've ever seen. I'm surprised he hasn't had a stroke yet with all the scrutiny that he's under. He does not weather other people's opinion very well. And yet, this person and a lot of people who think like him believe that he he speaks truth to power. And he's exposing... And he doesn't care what anyone thinks of him. And that's that's such a clear fiction. All you got to do is watch the man's behavior. And it's obviously not true. But that's what he says of himself, and they believe what he says. Yeah. um, Scary. 
we're so, I think so many people are so trained to look for what they view a, a politician and what they do in their mannerisms that mm-hmm. they, they probably, I, I, I would think that they equate that to, to lying and, and not being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And so you have this guy who, from the very beginning, painted the narrative of, you know, I'm a businessman, I'm different, I'm right. not a politician. And so people people are willing to, to gravitate towards that and trust right. that. Right. Um, right. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. I mean, I, I get the impulse. I, I get it, too. I'm a little bit of a revolutionary, too. I wouldn't mind. I, I, I liked Bernie Sanders because I thought he would, he would shake things up. I don't... I don't mind if somebody grabs the Etch-a-Sketch and shakes it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, isn't, it isn't working 100% the way it is. Right. It's better than a lot of alternatives. Yeah. But this guy is not just a, you know, a, a creative disruptor. He's just a narcissist. And he's surrounded himself with opportunists and careerists who will do anything to please him just so they can stay in power. Right. There's a lot of parallels to this kind of thing. Yeah. Right? This has happened before. Yeah, and the... the what Russia's, I think, to me, it's so important with with the voting and um, the internet and data. Um, I think Google um, was is was supposed to testify today or will be testifying tomorrow. Yeah, he, yeah, he testified today and okay. is continuing tomorrow. Yes, right. Um, to me, I think that that is. I wish more people would talk about that more because mm-hmm. so many of these companies, when you when you sign up for these apps, these these websites, whatever you're signing up for, you are giving so much information that is required for for you to, to get those services. Um, I don't think people realize how much companies have data on you. Like, mm-hmm. People yeah. don't understand what they know about you. And it's even worse when you throw these... Um, um, these kits that that tell you your ancestry like <laughs> oh, that yeah. oh yeah that that gives out so much more data depending mm-hmm. on how they structure you know how how they're you know right. sending out their well, data you saw uh last i think it was last spring the hillside strangler or whatever mm-hmm. a, a mass mass killer in california was caught through 23andme data uh, that was given and good right. good use of the technology but you make a good point our those companies, they're, they're for-profit companies. They now own our DNA. What are they going to do with it? They can sell it. Absolutely. And they, yep. and they are selling yep. it. Yep. Uh, Google Analytics, right? Uh, y- all you have to do is have a conversation near an Alexa about a product, and it starts to show up uh, on your Facebook. Yep. Um, okay, you know, not exactly nefarious, but where else is this information going to go, right? Where, where, where else? This is a great, great topic for uh, yeah. an, another day. We could really dig into this. Yeah. Um, wh- where is this? Where is this going? So one last yeah. point I wanted to make, and then I think we'll probably call it a day. Yeah. Um, in the conversation today, back to, to Schumer and, and uh, Pelosi and Trump at the Oval Office, uh, Trump really quickly—it it might have gone by a lot of people. He mentioned the effectiveness as the wall and compared it to the wall in Israel. Yep. Now. I want to talk about the wall in Israel because I get, and this is just my supposition, but I get the feeling that this entire wall thing is all built on Trump's admiration for the wall in Israel. And I don't think a lot of people know anything about that wall. Okay, First of all, that wall is 400-odd miles long. I'll look it up today, 440 miles long. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. Um, The... 
the internal politics of Israel are a very uh, convoluted thing. Uh, this wall is a very controversial thing. The UN mm-hmm. has decried this wall because it, um, it also, there are places where it follows the border, what's called the Green Line, the border of the West Bank and Israel. It follows the border exactly, and there are places where it takes shortcuts and assumes a whole lot of what is considered Palestinian um, territory. Yep. Now, on the positive side of the ledger, the wall has reduced uh, suicide bombings in Israel enormously. There's no question about that. There's only a few ways to get through this wall, and you go through checkpoints and uh, bomb-sniffing dogs and face recognition technology. They're stopping a lot of people from getting in. And I guess that's a good thing. On the other side of the ledger, it doesn't add anything to the peace process between the Palestinians and the Israels. It's an, it's, it's simply apartheid, yep. right? Yep. It's an apartheid. Yep. It's, it's, it's a physical manifestation of an apartheid yep. policy, and that's not good. Um, but but back to back to Trump and how does one equate that wall in Israel to this wall? When was the last time you heard about a, a suicide bombing by a Mexican? Well, so so you bring up a great point. So it's it's like Trump is is such a showman that you know if you build something that that's modern, that's great. Well, he's going to want to build something that's even better. It's a, he's a competitor from mm-hmm. that perspective, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a great trait to have if you can use it correctly sure. as a president. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, but one thing that I just can't grasp my mind and my head around is that the, there's there's this this notion that there's so much danger that's coming from south of the border and while yes drugs are being traded traffic throughout the the border um huge problem i i will not dismiss Mm -hmm. that but i can't understand why so many people take that as a much bigger issue than what russia has done Mm -hmm. right (laughs) right they have penetrated the united states far more Mm -hmm. than what illegal Illegal alien hands, yeah, absolutely, yeah, certainly they're coming across the south of the border, yeah, right, Right. absolutely, they, yeah, this is a, it's a, what's the, what's the word for that, leisure domain, right, yeah, where I, where I I distract you with this hand while I do something with that hand, yeah, this wall is, is, is complete nonsense, you're right, there, there's certainly some, some, uh, drugs are carried across the border, but that's not the, the major way in which drugs get into this country, it's not even the major way in which illegal aliens come into this country, you know, uh, that, most illegal, quote, illegal aliens are people who came here legally and then stay past yep. their green card. Um, and they usually use an airplane to get here. <laughs> this is going to have to be an awfully high wall. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to stop a 707. Um, so that, but, but that, that, okay, so then that, that would beg the question. So let's say Trump gets elected in, mm-hmm. in 2020. He gets his wall this year mm-hmm. and they start building. So... By the time 2020, well, I'll just say by the time 2020 comes around, the wall's up, mm. and he gets reelected, and the statistics don't change mm. much, then if what? at all. Yeah, then what? Then what? And how about this? They want to fund this wall. I think it's a complete waste of time, but whatever. We could use some public works projects. We need some infrastructure projects. Let's let's hire some people. You know, in, the, in the 30s, it was the CCC, the, yeah. the Civilian yeah. Conservation yeah. Corps. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's do that now. Let's create jobs. Let's build this wall. But how about this? If, if border security is the most pressing problem 
then why don't we cut the budget for like the F-22? Yeah. Because we are not going to be using that for border security, right? That's not a border security tool. Let's make fewer F-22s because I think if you cancel the current order... Um, Can you uh, explain to... Oh, sure. The, the F-20, F-22 is, is the, uh, the latest generation Air Force's fighter. Okay. Um, it has a very... It has a bit of a checkered history. The Air Force at one time tried to cancel the project because they're saying what I said, which is that they didn't really need it. Um, we don't have, it's a, it's a Cold War, it's an updated Cold War weapon, right? We just don't have, no one on the planet can, can beat our uh, fifth generation fighters like the F-15 Eagle. Uh, so we don't need this updated thing. We really don't. The real reason, and now this is my, this is speculation on my part, but it's probably good speculation. The real reason we're building this thing is because we can sell it to the Saudis. They'll pay a lot of money for this thing because they have all the money. Yeah. And they want the biggest and the best and the newest. Yeah. It, it doesn't do much more than older models will do. And it has a little bit of a checkered history as far as flight safety goes. They've cra- a couple of them have crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, we have other planes that do the job. It's very expensive. Off the top of my head, I don't know how much they are, but they're very, very expensive. Um, if you, I think if you canceled an order of five of them, that would that's half the wall. I mean, these oh, things gosh. are enormously expensive. There's also, there's been some, some talk in the Pentagon budget since uh, 2012 about building new aircraft carriers. Because the, the ones we have, the whole, the whole concept of an aircraft carrier in the, in the, in the modern world with, with uh, global hopping drones, we don't need an aircraft carrier anymore, right. really. It's, it's almost an obsolete weapons system. But there's talk about building new ones. Take that money. If there's any money set aside for that project, take that out and build a wall. Yeah. Put your money, literally, where your mouth is. Yeah. If border security is that important, then take a portion of the military budget out. Because there are no foreign wars pressing currently. Oh, what about, what about what's going on in the Middle East? Isn't that pressing enough for you? Yeah. <laughs> Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. We're winning the war on ISIS yeah. with 1970s technology, the A-10, uh, which is a ground attack aircraft, because that's what the current threat is. It's yeah. slow-moving ground targets, that and, an, and a cargo plane that has guns sticking out the side of it, an AC-130, uh, the Spectre ships. They're using those to, to beat the crap out of ISIS, and, ISIS, and that and a lot of political maneuvering and economic yeah. maneuvering are, are pretty much... ISIS, which was an enormous threat a few years ago, has almost disappeared. Uh, in in the rhetoric of this administration, because they're pretty much almost disappeared in the Middle East. Yeah, that's a topic for another day yeah. because we're going to have to talk about we we've done what we've always done, which is the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, the problem with that approach is in the Middle East it isn't always true. Right. We we started in the um, in the early eighties with the what called they called themselves the Mujahideen, which we supplied against the Russians who invaded Afghanistan. The Mujahideen evolved into the Taliban. The Taliban has evolved into Al-Qaeda and now ISIS. Um, We're supporting, (laughs) this is crazy, we're supporting uh, Islamist groups that that think that ISIS is too soft. So once they're done with ISIS, we're going to have to contend with them. We're like, you know, the, the, the super bugs that have grown to beat our antibiotics. We're creating the super bug of Islamists. We're creating those most radicalized, most crazy. Um, so I think that's a great topic yeah. um, to yeah, discuss we'll to later. So we'll get into details with that later, yeah. So I guess to, to kind of wrap up here, so final thoughts on Schumer, Pelosi, and Trump. <laughs> So Donald Trump clearly won that, you know, seen as political theater, he absolutely won that. Um, 
I'm, I'm curious to see where, by the next time we talk, we'll probably have an idea what's going to happen with the, with the budget. Uh, I think at this point, Trump, he put his money where his mouth is, and that's going to be a problem. Okay. He's going to have to shut the government down. There's no way they're going to fund a wall. That's not going to happen. No. And he doesn't have the votes in either no. the House or the Senate. Even though he says he can get them like that, he's wrong. So there's going to be a government shutdown. That, that's, that's clear. How long for and what damage will be done? Uh, How much money are we going to lose? Right. I guess we'll find that out soon. What's going to happen to our bond rating and all of that, all of that will be a topic for another day, my friend. Cool. Sounds good. Thank you, Elijah. Thank you. (laughs)